our patients and their jobs, body mass index and physical capabilities. What's our role as providers? You're listening to ReachMD XM, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician Roundtable. I'm Dr. Gary Cohn, your host, and with me today is Tom Gilliam, PhD. Tom has a doctorate in exercise physiology and is president of two companies, one Industrial Physical Capability Services, a physical capability assessment company, as well as Move It, Lose It, Live Healthy. Tom is an innovator in the provision and implementation of physical capability assessment systems, and he's learned a lot from them. Tom comes to us today from his office just outside of Cleveland, Ohio. Tom, thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Gary, for inviting me. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about body mass index and physical capabilities. Uh, We as physicians, of course, are concerned about the medical implications of that, but we're going to talk a little bit about physical capabilities of our patients and their body mass index. Before we get into that, Tom, tell us a little bit about your background as an exercise physiologist and how you got to where you are today. Sure. Thank you, Gary. I am an exercise physiologist. I uh, was tenured at the University of Michigan for a number of years and in 82 left there and went into industry and started doing physical capability testing then. And However, during my tenure days at Michigan, I did a lot of physical capability assessment of the athletes there and was fortunate enough to get some NIH grants to study heart disease risk in children, which really got me going and interested on the whole prevention side in terms of how we can stay healthy and keep healthy, particularly as we grow older. And of course, in the 70s and early 80s, there was not much concern, but uh, obviously today, learning how to take good care of yourself and maintain your health is critical to our lifestyle. And I just took that experience and rolled it into our company called Move It, Lose It, Live Healthy. You've been providing physical capability assessments for a long time now, probably near a quarter of a century, and you've learned a lot of things, not just about physical capability, but about body mass index and that physical capability connection. Tell us a little bit about some of the things you've noticed over the years. Well, one of the most critical things is that body mass index is a measure of body fatness. The good thing about BMI, it's it's been around for many, many years. It's a universal measure, so that's why most people use it. So you can take a height and weight here in, in the U.S., Germany, Asia, somewhere, and you can still come up with a BMI, so you can do a lot of comparisons. But generally speaking, a BMI of 30 or more is considered to be obese, and then you go up to 35 to 39, that's what's called level 2 obesity, and, and 40 or higher is morbidly obese. One of the discussions perhaps we can have at another point is some of the ramifications of using BMI today. There's some pluses and minuses, but what we have been looking at, and one of the interesting finds that we we got here just recently was when we looked at force-generating capability, uh, how strong are the muscles of an individual, and as they went from a BMI of, say, 25 to 28 to 30 to 33, 34, there was a linear relationship between your size and how strong you were or how much force you generated. And then as you began to approach BMIs of 35, 36, 37, 38, it began to plateau off. And and then when you hit BMIs in the 40s, 40, 40, 45, 50, 50, 60, all of a sudden your force-generating capability diminishes as that BMI increases. And that's a concern because most people think the bigger you are, the stronger you are, and that's certainly not the case. And Tom, this is with all other things being equal, just looking at BMI. That's looking at BMI and looking at not your your force generating capability relative to your body size, but just how much torque does that person who has a BMI of 45, how much torque do they generate? And it's less 
it's on a downhill slope at that particular point, which begins to say that obviously the person's weight gain is exceeding their strength gain at that point. That is what's causing concern in industry from a medical point of view, from an injury perspective, because this is why people who have BMIs of 40 or more, and the research supports this, have a higher frequency of injury and a greater severity of injury as measured by claim cost. Let's just go back a second. I don't know if you remember this far back, but when you were dealing with athletes, we obviously see nowadays in college and professional football, we see very large people that would probably have a very large BMI. I assume their strength is disproportionately not matching that. or I think to a certain extent. Now, I don't have BMI data specifically on, on the athletes, but as I particularly look at these professional football players and some college players today. What I see on the field in terms of particularly linemen, I don't like what I see. I think some of them are literally obese, even though they're big. These 350-pound linemen approaching 400 pounds are obese. The big issue comes with BMI with the heavily muscled individual who's going to you know, be six foot two, 240 pounds, and going to have a BMI of 32, 33. Obviously, that person is not obese. And the American College of Sports Medicine is now investigating this and they're trying to come up with measures to supplement or complement the BMI. So we're not just looking at the height-weight ratio, but we're looking at other measures. And you may be aware of, well, four or five years ago, they started recommending, for example, BMI plus abdominal circumference measurement. So if you're a male, if you have an abdominal circumference of 40 inches or more, that puts you at greater risk. Or if you're a female, it's 38 inches or more. So they're looking at other measures that can be done right in the doctor's office without, you know, you obviously you have a, a scale with a height measurement device. You can get BMI relatively easily. Now you add a cloth tape and you can get waist circumference and you can get a better measure as to the body mass index. But they're doing that because they do know that some people that have BMIs in the low 30s, 33, 34, may be a heavily muscled individual and could be discriminated against, I guess you might want to say, when it comes to medical insurance, because so many companies are saying, hey, look, if you have a BMI of 30 or more, you're going to pay a higher claim cost, or you're going to pay a higher deduction or something like that. You are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Gary Cohn, and I'm speaking with Dr. Tom Gilliam, And we're discussing BMI, body mass index, and physical capabilities, what it means to us as providers. Well, many of us, uh, Tom, obviously take care of patients who have workers' compensation injuries or uh, illnesses. I take it that your studies would yield some light on the relationship between workers and the uh, kinds of injuries and the frequency of injuries they get? We certainly have that kind of information. And again, uh, well, one of the, I think, better studies that have just recently come out came from a Dr. Ostby, I think his, his name is. He's down at the Duke University, published some data here in the Annals of Internal Medicine back in April of this year, basically talked about those individuals who are morbidly obese working in the healthcare industry. And that's, again, a BMI of 40 or more, have twice as many medical claims have claims that run about five times greater than the normal weight individual in terms of cost and have a huge number of more lost work days, about 15 times more lost work days than the normal weight individual. What we have seen with our data, Gary, when we look at the morbidly obese grouping in industry from the year 2001 through 2007 with the male population, 3.5% 
of the people we evaluated in 2001 were morbidly obese. Today, that number is 5%, has increased to 5%. That's, that's a large increase for that particular group of people that has always been such a small number to begin with. On the female side, it was 5.2% back in 2001, and it's now up to 6.4%. Now, what that means is that these people are working they're more susceptible to injury, to disease, and from a physician point of view, they're going to have to be dealing a lot more with how to rehab and, and care for a patient that has some difficulties to begin with, i.e. they're morbidly obese. If these patients, uh, Tom, are suffering more frequent and more serious occupational injuries and, and filing more workers' comp claims, I assume this has some implications about uh, the safety of the workplace for them, for their peers. Why is that happening? Is it the poor match to the job now? Is it their inability to do something they used to be able to do? you have any thoughts on... To, to help resolve this, by the way, many companies are now saying we're going to do physical capability testing and we're going to make it part of the ongoing condition for employment to help prevent a person that comes on board say with a BMI of 30 in, in the year 2007 and jumping up to a BMI of 40 uh, three years later, for, for an example. So that's one thing, is to do some ongoing testing to resolve this. Certainly what you said is true. The person who is morbidly obese or is more obese than the person next to him are more susceptible or is more susceptible to injury of all kinds, particularly soft tissue injuries. That Duke University study went on to say that those people who were in those morbidly obese in physically demanding jobs were at at greater risk than those who were not, implying that because of their obesity, they had more difficulty performing safely the essential functions of the job. So these are all issues that are just now being <laughs> discovered and uncovered, and I'm not sure there's a lot of good answers in terms of what can be done other than the fact that it's not going to get any better for many years to come, which goes back to what we talked about earlier, and that is Companies are jumping on the whole prevention bandwagon, and they're looking for the medical community to help them come up with ways to prevent or to take people who have these issues to help them get better and perhaps more fit and so forth. It would seem to me one way we could clarify some of the cause and effect issues here would be if there was data that showed people had certain testing results or certain safety experience, and then same people after they lost weight or rehabbed themselves in some kind of physical way. Is there any data like that? Do you retest people? Do you see them later when they're in better shape? Your point's well taken, and I have not seen that, but certainly I would believe those kinds of studies are going to be done. We certainly would like to see that from our physical capability company's perspective, we don't do a lot of ongoing testing, i.e. retesting, incumbent testing. The laws are a little bit difficult when doing incumbent testing, unless you make it part of the condition of the hiring to begin with. And also you have some unions you may have to deal with. Laws are written that they, they can't do certain types of tests. So there are some issues that would have to come place with industry. But certainly doing an evaluation and to demonstrate that if you were obese at a, a 40, 45 BMI or 50 BMI, and if you drop down into the low 30s, for an example, that you are, in fact, a safer person and it's better for your health. I think there are studies, in fact, I know there are studies that demonstrate from a reduction point of view in terms of health benefits, i.e., you go from a BMI of 45 down to the low 30s, you'll see a reduction in blood pressure, your glucose, triglycerides, you'll see that. In fact, we've seen that with some of our people in our Move It, Lose It, Live Healthy program. 
But what we have not seen, because we haven't measured it, the tie into the workers' comp side. And so I think your idea is a, is a very good idea and uh, like to see something like that done. We've talked about these trends as we've seen it in this country. Any idea whether that's the same in other countries overseas? The term is globesity. I guess that answers your question. Yes. In fact, what they're finding, for example, China, the rate of obesity in terms of becoming obese is higher than most countries today. Now, their obesity problem is not as bad as ours, but because they, they were so lean to begin with, now they're seeing as they become more industrialized and, and so forth, you, what you're seeing is a higher rate of obesity taking place, for example, in China. But certainly here in North America, Canada is not, they almost mirror us or we mirror them, however you want to say it. So uh, there's not too much difference here in North America itself. I want to thank Dr. Tom Gilliam, who's been our guest today. We've been talking about BMI and physical capabilities. I'm Dr. Gary Cohn. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com.